You're listening to an audio sermon from Redemption Church in Olds, Alberta. It is our prayer that through this ministry, we will see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied all to the glory of God. For more information about our church, or to let us know how we can be praying for you, visit us online at www.redemptionolds.com or send us an email at info at redemptionolds.com. We're going to step out again, as I said, from our regular uh, process that we've been in, stepping out of our series uh, through the book of Colossians. And uh, I want us to look this morning at 1 Peter chapter 5, um, verses 1 to 5. So um, turn there with me uh, in your Bibles, 1 Peter. If you don't have a Bible on you, um, there should be one in the pew in front of you, so grab that. We want you, um, first and foremost, to have God's Word uh, open um, so that you can be reading uh, along, following along the, the the truth is, I have nothing of value for you. Um, all I have is God's word. This is, this is my wisdom. Um, this is my authority. And so we want to have God's word open in front of us. Uh, if you don't have a Bible at home or one you can use, read easily, please take this one with you. We want you to have it. It's our gift to you. Um, we're thrilled to have those um, walking out those doors. Um, this morning's sermon uh, is, uh, if you notice, it's addressed, the, the passage is addressed to the elders. And so I'm going to follow Peter's lead and be preaching to the elders this morning. And uh, you get to eavesdrop. And I, I know there's lots that applies to all of us, but uh, I'm just going to be following Peter's lead on that and primarily preaching to, um, well, to myself and to the other elders. But uh, let me read uh, this passage for us. First Peter, starting in chapter 5, verse 1. Peter writes, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to your word this morning. Um, Lord, eager to be a church and an eldership that is formed um, to the image of Christ, that is shaped by your truth. God, would you be at work in us? Lord, would you um, be at work in each of the elders this morning, God, that you would soften our hearts, that you would help us to lead as you have called us to lead, that you would help us to be uh, faithful shepherds, fulfilling the the ministry that you have put before us uh, in a way that honors you and brings glory to your name. And God, I pray for our church that that we would be together, formed in the image of Christ, that we would uh, be Uh, an example of humility and the glory of your name. God, so I just pray um, that you'd be at work uh, through your word now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So looking at this passage, 1 Peter, the first thing I want us to see here uh, is the office of elder. The office of elder. um, The simple fact that elder is a biblical position in the church. Um, Notice Peter writes, so I exhort the elders among you. 
If you're familiar with the book of 1 Peter, um, you'll know just flip back a couple pages. Look at verse 1. Peter is writing this letter. Um, He says, To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That's, That's five different regions that he's writing to. This is a broadly circulated letter. It went to numerous churches. Uh, and it's significant that as Peter writes to all of these churches, he assumes, hey, to your elders in each church, he expects them to have elders. And, and that makes sense with what we see through the book of Acts. Uh, as Paul was traveling out the, throughout the known world, planting church after church after church, Acts 14.23, it says, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They appointed multiple elders in each church as they went along. That was their practice. Later, Paul sent Titus out to the island of Crete, and he told him, Titus 1.5, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and, present and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So, so Titus helped the church in Crete get established and set up properly. Part of that is establish elders in every church. And so you have multiple elders Uh, in each congregation. I think it's also significant that Peter identifies himself as a fellow elder. Fellow elder. He's an apostle. He says he's he's also one who is uh, an an eyewitness of the sufferings of Christ. He's also just a a believer. I think that's what he means as he says, a a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. I'm I'm among you, one of those who's looking forward to the the revelation of Christ. But this is Peter. This is the the one that the Catholic Church calls the the first pope. Down from him, they build an elaborate structure of uh, authority figures over the church. And, And Peter says, my place in the church is fellow elder. That's his role. I think scripture gives us two official positions in the church. There's elder who is the the spiritual leader, overseer, and and deacon, which is a a position of of practical service. So popes, cardinals, bishops, priests, in any form, I I don't see them in the New Testament. And actually, um, we also don't see pastor, just to put that out there. And you're like, well, what are you doing up here? Well, um, not if by pastor you mean one man who stands above the elders. There's this you know, kind of triangle of leadership with pastor at the top. Um, I don't see that in Scripture. Now, 1 Timothy 5.17, um, Paul says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the Scripture says you shall not muzzle the ox and it treads out the grain and the labor deserves his wages. So it seems even in Paul's day, uh, it made sense for one of the elders to, to labor extensively in preaching and teaching and, and that it would be good to support him financially so that he can continue to preach and feed his family. That's me. And some of your donations to the church go to a salary so that my kids can eat and I can preach and they very much appreciate that, especially as they get to the teen years. Um, I'm one of the elders. I'm not above the elders. Um, I am one of the elders. It just happens to be my role as an elder, to my, my blessing as an elder, to devote my time to studying God's word uh, and preaching. Now, it's in vogue today. Uh, instead of uh, to, to, to move to um, kind of 
new language, new exciting terminology. You know, we don't have a leadership council. We got to update um, this eldership thing. And uh, often with titles coming out of the, the business world. Um, and it's true in one sense, the name itself, the title that we use is not all that significant. If we're going to be truly biblical, we'd have to use Greek and we're not going to go there. Um, and yet so often, I think, as we look at this, this movement, kind of lurking in the shadows behind that, um, is not just an intent to move away from biblical language, but to move away from the biblical model. And so specifically, I think, away from the, the biblical qualifications. For one, um, Scripture is clear. The office of elder uh, is reserved for men. That is not popular today. But 1 Timothy 2.12, among other places, um, Paul is giving his instruction to the church and, and how the church ought to run. And he says, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she's to remain quiet. Now, quiet there, for those who are getting a little uncomfortable, um, uh, is the same word that, that Peter uses over in 1 Peter 3, 4. Speaking of a godly woman who's to have a, a quiet and gentle spirit. So we're not saying that women have to be silent in the church. Not at all. Um, we believe men and women are both created in the image of God, equal in honor and dignity. Um, there are many avenues of ministry for women in the church, um, but that role of elder is reserved for men. Now, to be clear, not just any man, right? It's, this is not a male-female divide. Um, most men are also excluded from eldership. Only men who meet the clear list of qualifications, from 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1. We've read them a number of times over the last weeks. And so, um, basically, these, these two lists, there's, there's a little bit of different language used between them, but, but essentially they are identical. And, and the summary is a man of godly character. A man who, who can say, follow me as I follow Christ. And so, why does Redemption Church have elders? Why do we do it this way? Why do we use the title elder? Um, we do it because it's what we see in Scripture. This is what we think the Word of God teaches. Uh, and we use that title specifically and deliberately uh, to communicate. We're talking about that biblical role of elder, of leader in the church. A uh, role of spiritual re- leadership to be filled by, by men who meet the standard of godliness. And so that's a, a significant thing. Um, that's the office of elder. Now, now let's uh, get into what Peter says to the elders. Looking at verse 2, we see the role of the elder. Peter writes, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So Nick, Dean, um, Grant, Arnold, myself, this is our job. As, as elders, we are to shepherd by overseeing. Shepherd the flock of God. That, that's a high calling. That's a, a terrifying job description. Acts 20, 28, Paul's gathered the, the elders from the church in Ephesus around himself. And, uh, and he tells them to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. Talk about a, a sacred trust. We cannot take this lightly. Now, the Latin word, uh, for shepherd uh, is pastor. Maybe you're getting confused. Yeah, the Bible's written in Greek, um, but early on was translated to Latin, and, and that's where we stole this word pastor that we use in the English. And so um, 
Peter's obviously not addressing some you know, single paid staff member. That, that wasn't the thing. Um, what he's saying is that elders together are to pastor the flock, are to shepherd the flock of God. To shepherd means to care for, to feed, to, to nourish, to take care of. Watching each sheep grow strong and healthy, trying to, to nurture and feed, care for the, for the weak and the young, even to carry those who need it sometimes. There's also a firmer side to eldering, to shepherding, pastoring, to guide and direct those who stray. There's correction. Sometimes there's hard conversations to be had, giving guidance on erring doctrine or guidance on straying from holiness. Elders, our job is not the the business of the church, but the people of the church, the flock of God that he has entrusted to us. Notice, Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. That is among you. Um, It can be easy for us to think about um, the church we wish we had. We want to think about church growth and all the people that we want to bring in to think about the kind of church that we desire, but our job is to, is to shepherd those who are here. So look around you. This is your flock. These are those who have been entrusted to our care. Shepherd them, as Peter says, um, by exercising oversight. Oversight. We're we're to give direction to the church, overseeing what happens here. And so um, we're responsible for where the church is going, guarding the church from from dangers of of false doctrine and and false teachers and and giving clear direction and and vision forward. Um, We often summarize the job of elder um, under what we call the four D's. Uh, The job of overseeing includes doctrine, direction, discipline, and discipleship. That's the heart of of this role. So we're taking responsibility before God um, to shepherd this precious flock to care for his beloved bride. In Hebrews 13, 17, um, written to the church, but, but sobering for the elder, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for what advan- that would be of no advantage to you. Elders, you will have to give an account before the Lord. One day we will stand before him, before the chief shepherd, and, and have to answer for the, the life and the health and the maturity and the, and the purity of this flock. And then church. As we talk about the role of the elders to, to shepherd and to oversee, um, I would point you back to Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Um, let them do this with joy, not with groaning. The role of the flock is... Submission. You're to be the, the kind of people who are a, a joy to lead. That if your leaders are, are groaning because of you, there's no advantage to that for you. That's not good for you. You're to be the kind of person who is a, a joy to lead, and that will be a conduit of God's grace for you, God's blessing to you. Are you willing to be shepherded? That's, that's God's design for the church for you. 
It's not solo Christians, just kind of me and Jesus, and I happen to go to a church. We are the church. We are the flock together. Are you looking to the elders for guidance, for direction? Are you placing yourself under the the leadership of the elders, willing to hear it when you need to be corrected, maybe even, of sin? Need to be gently called to repentance? Are you looking to be fed, to be built up, to be stretched and grown toward godliness? Are you willing to partake in, in, in what the elders here have, have planned and have said this is significant, these things are important with, with Sunday morning and, and small groups and prayer meetings and saying, yeah, I'll, I'll, follow, I'll follow these under shepherds. Engage these things. Um, are you willing to be shepherded? So that's the, the office of elder and the role of the elder to shepherd by, by overseeing. Uh, thirdly, the end of verse 2 and into verse 3. We see the, the heart of the elder, the heart of the elder. We start at the beginning of verse 2. Peter writes, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Now listen to this, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. We need to see this as elders. We need to see this clearly and carefully. Peter gives us these three contrasting statements. We are to exercise oversight, first not under compulsion, but willingly. It's the same language that that Paul uses about giving generously of of our finances. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each one should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. In the same way, God loves a cheerful elder. Make no mistake, there are sacrifices in being an elder. Regular meetings, sometimes late into the night, Um, Difficult questions, hard study, hard decisions to make, difficult conversations to be had. At the end of Paul's long list of his physical suffering, 2 Corinthians 11, he talks about his his beatings and stonings and and, um, danger from hunger and thirst and sword and exposure. And at the end of all that, verse 28, he says, apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of the anxiety for all the churches. I'm so thankful we only have one church. But Dean and Nick, you're about to know the anxiety of the weight of the church in a new way, a very real way. Uh, it can be relentless. It can be exhausting. And through all of that, the Lord loves a cheerful elder, an elder who serves willingly and joyfully, not, not onerously, not as a burden, but as an act of, of sacrificial worship to the Lord. So, secondly, Peter says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Certainly, there are those charlatans that we see abuse the gospel for financial profit. They, they prey on the, uh, on the weak and on the desperate while they fly their private jets to their luxury hotels. Um, but there are also more subtle ways for shameful gain using the the influence of an elder for my personal preferences. Because I want this church to to suit me a little bit better. I want to sing the songs that I like. I want to have the kind of church that I prefer for my tastes. 
or maybe the gain of pride, that, that people would see me, that people would know that, that I'm an elder and I could, I could look down on those beneath me. I have status. They would, they would honor me, look up to me. Maybe the gain of power. I just want to be in charge. I want to have influence. I want to be in on the, on the big decisions. I want to have control. Lord, would you let the desire for shameful gain be put to death in us? There's no place for it. No place for it. We ought to serve eagerly. The word eagerly there means from the passions. It's, it's an overflow of the heart, serving as a, as a desire to serve, not as a desire for these other things, for shameful gain. Driven not by love for self, but for, for the love of the church, the love of the flock. Thirdly then, Peter says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. The idea here is not, not a, not a high-handed autocratic rule. How many of our political leaders over the last year um, have laid heavy burdens on the people under them and then not been examples, not followed their own rules and been exposed to their shame. That, that ought never to happen in the church. Never. An elder should lead humbly as an example, walking in the things that he speaks. That's what Jesus talked about in Matthew 20, 25 to, to 28. Jesus called them and said to him and sorry Jesus called them to him and said you know the rulers of the gentiles lord it over them their great ones uh, exercise authority over them it shall not be so among you but whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be your slave even as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many if Jesus Christ, the creator God of the universe, humbled himself, descended from his eternal throne and came not to be served, but in the ultimate act of service, gave his life on the cross for the church. How inappropriate, how grotesque a thing it would be for us as his servants, saved by his selfless grace, to then use our position in the church to flex our own power, to serve ourselves rather than give ourselves after his example in sacrificial service. So we're not to lead by authoritarian dictate, but by example, with the influence of our, our lives as we seek to serve Christ. This comes back to those qualifications from, from 1 Timothy and Titus, the Lord's design is, is that the church would become like its leaders. Leaders, we need to take that very seriously. Dean, Nick, Grant, Arnold, myself, we need to see this together. One of the main ways we lead is by our lives, by our example. Paul told young Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save um, both yourself and your hearers. Just keep a close watch, not only on your doctrine, not only in the things that you teach, but also on your own life. Because your example matters. Guard your character, your integrity. Pursue holiness, not, not just for your own benefit, but for the benefit of the church whom you lead. And then church. 
Hebrews 13, 7. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The elders are to lead by example and the church is to follow their examples, is to look to them. This is, this is to be at the heart of the elders, not serving out of drudgery or, or selfish gain or, or domineering power, but willingly, eagerly, as godly examples. And then verse 4, the reward of the elder, the reward of the elder. Peter then points us to Christ. He says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. What a great promise is there. But first, let's, let's acknowledge the great relief that this passage is. As Peter references Christ and calling him the, the chief shepherd, we are reminded that even though this is a high calling, we are solemnly responsible to, to shepherd the flock of God that it does not ultimately rest on our shoulders. In the end, um, the church is not ours. He is the chief shepherd. He is sufficient when we are not. He is faithful when we are weak and stumbling. He is the good shepherd who is able to change hearts and transform lives when we are so helpless and so hopeless. It's ultimately he who will build his church. And so even as elders, we are merely servants in the household of God. And likewise, this ought to remind us of the extent of our authority. It is only the authority of Christ. We're merely his representatives. And so as we speak for Christ from his word, we speak with his authority. And the moment we step out from under his word onto our own, we have no authority and we'll be held accountable for that. But notice then also the promise here. We are to serve, not under compulsion, not under pressure, not for shameful gain and pride, not as an exercise of dominating power, but our, our motivation ought to be looking to the reward, seeking that unfading crown of glory. Our, our culture, our society, it gets real awkward around the, the whole topic of rewards and, and and I think it was Aristotle who first kind of questioned this whole idea of, you know, is, is virtue still virtue if it's done for a reward? Is, is a good deed, does it lose its goodness if it's done with some kind of personal kickback on the other side? Well, the Bible and Jesus most of all and, and Peter here are not shy about the promise of reward. If the Lord didn't want us to be motivated by rewards, then he would not have constantly used them to motivate us. Put them ahead and said, look at this and set your eyes on this and set your hearts on this. Seek the reward. And he promises here an unfading crown of glory. The chief shepherd will return. His coming is at hand. It's, it's the next big thing on his calendar. And he will reward each one according to what he has done. Will he find us awake? Will he find us busy serving him faithfully, willingly, eagerly, humbly? Nick and Dean, the Lord has brought you to this place. As existing elders, we've seen God's calling on your lives because of the faithfulness that you've had in the smaller things. 
And the Lord has now called you to this service. Continue in that faithfulness. Continue to give yourselves to the Lord in serving him. Because those who serve the Lord well as elders are promised an unfading crown of glory. No one will serve the Lord. No one. Or sacrifice themselves for him in such a way that, that in the end they'll be able to look to God and say, you're welcome. Right? Not, not only do we serve the Lord in a way that only adds to our indebtedness to him as we serve from his strength using his gifts that he's given us. But when we reach the end of this life, this life of sacrificial service of his gifts and his blessings by his power, um, his reward then will be so embarrassingly abundant. The comparison to our stuttering and feeble service. So, looking to that reward, knowing that his return is nearer today than when we first believed, we give ourselves to him and his service unreservedly. And when trials come, and the demands of eldership are at their peak, keep this in mind, there is an eternal reward in store. Set our hearts on that. So finally, verse 5, we see the humility of all of us. The humility of all of us. Peter writes, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. First, this is a call to the church. To, to be humble in honoring your elders. To those that the Lord has placed above you in the church. Um, Peter says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Now, um, there's some debate whether he's totally shifted topics here or not. I don't think he has. In addressing those who are literally younger um, and possibly speaking to those who are literally older, but, but the word likewise there is significant, right? There's a connection. Based on what I've just said in, in proper response to that, and then I think he addresses those who are younger as the stereotypical group of those who must learn respect and those who are older as the stereotypical group that generally ought to be respected and, and chief among them would be the elders of the church. Church, I'm going to use Peter's language because frankly, um, his words are stronger than ones I would be comfortable choosing. Be subject to the elders. We already looked at Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders, submit to them. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 and 13, Paul gives another similar command. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Again, our culture does not do well with authority. Our culture does not do well with submission. Um, as a rule, um, we are prideful, self-serving, self-important, self-sufficient, independent people. We scoff at authority. We pursue autonomy as, as this great virtue. And it's not. And that not ought to be the way the church operates. We're to humble ourselves. Willingly subject ourselves to the guidance, the leadership, the wisdom of the elders who are absolutely imperfect, who will most certainly make the wrong call at some point and, and maybe say the wrong things. That's hard. 
That's hard. That will not always be easy. That will not always, you, you will not always agree with the elders. But honor your elders. Peter then moves quickly from this command to submit to the elders um, and without any way undoing that or undermining that command, um, speaking to the church as a whole, then including the elders, saying, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Why? Because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. The reason for the humility of the church and especially the elders is the gospel. It's the very thing that brings us together as a church in the first place, that we are sinners in need of a Savior. We are all sheep before any of us is a shepherd. There is no room for pride in the church. Even uh, the elders who are among you ought to be keenly aware, hopefully most aware, that they are in need of grace every new day, that they are imperfect and broken vessels. It's often said evangelism is just one beggar telling another where to find food. Elders are just a little more experienced beggars, right? They are to be more mature, absolutely. They are to have a a certain level of holiness and, and godly example. But it just means they've spent more time at the foot of the cross. It just means they have more practice in repentance. All of us from the brand new believer to the seasoned old saint, ought to be distinctly marked by humility, trusting the Lord and his grace. It's the gospel that unites us. If anything good is going to happen here amongst us, in our church, through these elders, it will not be our doing. It will not be because we are great and mighty men. It will only be by the grace of God, the God who delights to take what is weak and lowly and insignificant and use them all the more for his glory. And then he gets the glory all the more. Let humility in the gospel be the distinguishing mark on all of us, shepherds and sheep alike. Because in that humility, in leading and in submitting, um, the gospel is put on display. The glory of God shines through his church. Would you pray with me? Father, Lord, we stand before you as elders, um, humbled by this passage, trembling at the thought of being called to care for your church, which you purchased by your blood. Help us, Lord. Oh, Lord, do away. Do away with the, any thought of us serving by compulsion or, or for shameful gain or the desire to be domineering over those that you have entrusted to us. But God, that we would serve willingly and eagerly as examples to the flock. God, would you empower us by your spirit? We might be able to say with Paul that we have worked harder than anyone else, but not us, rather Christ in us. God, that you would work through us as as broken vessels um, for the good of your church, for the glory of your name. Lord, um, help us. Help us to walk this faithfully as a church, to live this out, that your gospel might be put on display in us. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.